Well, as we come to our time in the Word this morning, um, just a reminder, um, as we've been going through um, this Gospel of John, one of the things that I've been trying to get us to come back to again and again is the beginning. John intentionally starts with, in the beginning was the Word, because he wants his whole Gospel to be tied to, to be in the backdrop of creation. And what does it mean um, that God is creator? So even when we get to this famous passage about the raising of Lazarus, um, creation um, is in the backdrop. So as I read um, the passage, if you would use and, and take some time to think about it through that um, that frame, and that backdrop of creation, or even in some ways more appropriately, re-creation. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. And then skipping to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God who has come to the world, into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, and he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. 
But some of them said, could not he have opened the, who, he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thus far, the word of the Lord. Well, as we begin looking at this passage, this part of scripture that most of us are probably familiar with, I just kind of remind us a little bit actually about Bethany, interestingly enough, because Bethany is one of the places that we're told Jesus goes to more than almost any other. And as John reminds us in this brief passage, it's just outside of Jerusalem, just a couple miles. It's what we would call a bedroom community. In other words, people that lived in Bethany mostly worked in Jerusalem and went back and forth. And Jesus seems to return there over and over again um, for a couple reasons. One, um, he needs this place that isn't in Jerusalem, that's far enough removed, um, that it's not going to cause even more turmoil for him to be there. And so we hear of Jesus doing things like coming to Bethany and then sneaking into a festival and then leaving and going back to Bethany. But there's another reason why Jesus, I think, goes to Bethany. Um, Like most bedroom communities, Bethany was a depressed economy. It was a place where most people were not doing nearly as well um, as their neighbors in Jerusalem. And in that place, Jesus finds community and connection and a place where he feels like he can go Um, and in a sense probably be himself in a way where he isn't in other places. And so there's a reason why Jesus chooses Bethany and the family of Mary and Martha and Lazarus for this to happen, because we see how deliberately he sets that up in the passage by delaying going, by purposely not being there. And when both Mary and Martha said, if you had only been here, things might have been different. And so Jesus somehow has a connection with Bethany and with this family that allows him, as well as compels him, um, to use them and that place as the place for this sign, um, this thing that points to what God is doing Um, in a way that most scholars say kind of sealed the deal. It was Lazarus' resurrection 
that literally led to Jesus' death. It was Lazarus' new life, coming to life, that kind of finally put into the leaders of the temple, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to say, okay, this has got to stop. The signs are getting far too strong and far too um, hard to ignore, and people, as they kept saying, are going to come to him in droves if we don't do something. Better that one might die, right, for the sake of everyone else. And so Jesus chooses to perform this sign of the raising of Lazarus in this place. And he says, specifically twice in this passage, and we've talked about this, this happened for God's glory. So that God's glory might be shown in and through me, and that I am sent from him. And we've talked about this once before, but I thought that it was worth revisiting because it's so core to what's going on here. We often think of glory as promoting God's fame or God's weightiness, his heaviness. That's really what the word means is his, his kavod, his weight. But there's something more to it than that that I have come to understand that really helps me actually get at this whole thing of glory I'm far better than this thinking about, oh, how can I do things to make God more famous, as if that could actually really happen, right? A lot of times we do things that, okay, well, how could that really be the case? (laughs) That I could somehow add to God in and through what I do. But if we think of glory, as I mentioned several weeks ago, maybe even more than several, as being what it is that someone really, really is created to do, has a passion to do. In other words, what really bakes God's cookies? What really makes God tick? And I talked about it before in terms of how my mother-in-law used to, when leading worship, be, as she would say, in her glory because it was something that she loved to do. And so as I was reflecting on how the Gospel of John keeps repeating this understanding of glory, this happened, like with the blind person, so that God's glory may be revealed. What is it that is God's glory? What is it that God, out of love, can't help but do? And that thing is create. God brings new life because it simply spills out of him as an outpouring expression of his love. And it's what God does. Right? Over and over and over again. So one of the things that John's gospel is trying to tell us is not only does God create once, if we go all the way back to the Genesis account, there's actually two accounts, right? One, where God seemingly creates out of what? Out of nothing, right? But another one where it talks about God creating out of 
chaos, disorder. And so God not only creates once, but God keeps creating. And as I looked at this passage, I realized that what Jesus is trying to get us to see is that God creates even out of the very stink of death itself. The raw material that God uses to recreate with is our fallenness, our disobedience, our turning our back, our disease, our disorder. And yes, the thing that holds us most, the very hold of death, out of that is what God creates with. And so Lazarus' resurrection is giving us a picture of that. That even Martha and Mary still quite weren't, weren't quite ready to see Martha and Mary, of course, had been listening and paying attention to Jesus and had gotten it in ways that all kinds of other people hadn't. And so when he asked them, do you believe? They say, yes, I believe that you're the Messiah who has come into the world, the one sent by God, and that at the last day, my brother will be raised, right? They get it, but not quite. And so there Jesus is trying to help them and us to see that in the midst of what they thought could never be possible, he's been in the tomb four days, Lord. It really stinks in all meanings of the word. It stinks. And they still hadn't quite gotten what Jesus was trying to get them to see is that new life not only happens off one day when we come along to get there, but begins to happen here and now. And it breaks into the world around us. And God is taking the crud of this world all the time, the crap of this world, and literally recreating it into something beautiful. Because the same word that's used in Genesis for good, good, good can also be translated beautiful. And so out of us and out of the fallenness of the world, God is making something beautiful. And we keep being told that we need eyes to see it because it's hard to see. And not only do we need eyes to see it, we need to begin to realize how we can be part of it, how we can play a role in making beauty come out of sorrow, joy out of grief, and whatever it may be that God is calling us to do I'm in different ways. Have, have any of you looked at art um, that's made out of garbage? If you ever, there's all kinds of artists that work with recycling things with the end. A lot of times, to be honest, it still looks like garbage, right? It still doesn't look very beautiful. 
but the artists that are really gifted at doing that can actually take something that was thrown away, that is the very picture of chaos, what we do to the world, trash it in all kinds of ways, and they take it and they make it beautiful. It's been a long time since we've watched it, but we used to be into watching Project Runway. Has anybody watched that show on TV where it's about designers, um, you know, designing out of all different kinds of things? But my favorite one was always when they would make them design things out of things like car parts, right? Or recycled things like that. And one of the ones that still, actually, I will never forget because it reminds me of the grave clothes of Lazarus when they were told to make things out of car parts, this one designer took the seat belts and wove them into a beautiful dress that you would never know by looking at it were seat belts. And that's exactly what is going on as we see the grave clothes hanging on Lazarus and Jesus says, take them off because I am taking death and making it into something beautiful. And so may we have eyes to see it, and even though it's really, really hard, and takes lots of discipline and work, may we become better and better artists at participating with God and taking the fallenness of the world in us and around us and somehow fashioning it into something beautiful, because God is indeed recreating us and all things as he reconciles all things to himself. Amen.